Good evening. Good morning. <sighs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, boy. Mm, uh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Defocus Podcast, where we're going to talk about Tenet, everybody. Let's get that out of the way right up front. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's no, you know, expectation that we're going to talk about a good movie or anything. Let's just get it over with. Um well, yeah. What a load um, of crap! Uh, before we before we rush right into this, how are you? How are you? How's it going? Let's, okay. let's take a breath. Let's take a moment because we both just finished the film, so I mm-hmm. think emotions are running a little high. Yeah, yeah. Although, what if we have our introduction? No, no the- I don't. <laughs> I don't want to do any <laughs> stupid time paradox hypotheticals. Uh, uh, you are how you've always been, and you always will be how you. have were slash are yeah this movie make a lot of money uh no this is a a, uh (laughs) i'm surprised you don't remember this uh well i remember that he was like ah only allowed in theaters and uh go go to the theaters even though covid and then everyone was like no (laughs) yeah so uh let me just let me just fill in the blanks here for you a little bit uh this movie did not make a lot of money it did not make uh even close to it's it's uh total box office um i'm sorry it, it close to its budget plus marketing because the budget for the yeah. film itself is 200 million and the box yeah. office is 363.7 million which yeah if you are uh if you are somebody who's followed movie stuff for a while you know that it's usually one to one and a half maybe even two times um for marketing what it costs to make the film um typically and so they probably spent a lot more than this 200 million here on all the marketing materials to launch this globally because the campaign to do that started before COVID-19 and right then it was shifted moved back and then it was in theaters and you got to do it in theaters and uh whatever and I don't know uh Christopher Nolan was I believe rightly mocked uh by literally everyone uh because Screw you! I'm not going to go to a movie theater uh, to get COVID nineteen to to watch this. Uh, and well, I, I think to his point though, yeah. the this movie has enough spectacle in it that the theater experience has something that the home experience doesn't. And mm-hmm. devoid of that spectacle, this movie is just uh, headache inducing nonsense. Um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not saying it's entirely the movie's fault, but before we started the movie, I didn't have a headache, and now I have a headache. So <laughs> draw your own conclusions, audience. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that that would be the extra level of frustration is like you potentially contracted an, uh, a lethal virus <laughs> that you spread to everyone else around you in your life uh, just because you and all you got was this this stupid t shirt, as they say, uh, this mm. <laughs> this bad movie, um, and. I know. I know you don't want to just get right into the the judgment. Um, oh no, we we can get into it yeah. now. We said enough words, so we don't okay. have to like roll podcast. I hated it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, another thing we should say though, just for proper framing, is uh, Christopher Nolan was uh, a little pissy uh, when uh, Warner Brothers announced in December uh, unilaterally that they would be, uh, or I think it was maybe like right after Thanksgiving, that unilaterally that they would be uh, distributing all of their uh movies for the 2021 calendar year uh both digitally and in theaters um and that sent everybody into a bit of a tizzy including uh mr nolan um 
and he was very critical of Warner Brothers for that. Uh, and uh, I have some conf- conflicted feelings about that because I think it's kind of BS for Warner Brothers to unilaterally do that because what films have the potential to make in a movie theater versus what they bring home in home video stuff is totally different. Uh, and especially when you are putting that home video stuff on uh, HBO Max. Um uh, only Wonder Woman, I believe, has received a uh, sort of lucrative package um, for them to do that. Uh, but I, I think they were in negotiations for quite some time with all the other uh, remaining people um, because uh, it costs a lot of money. Um, but oh, you're same- saying he missed out on making a special deal? N- no, because he uh, he wouldn't have made the deal. I guess. It, hmm. I, I, He's because I think that's the thing is like, I I only agree about the money part. I don't agree about his insistence about the theatrical stuff. He's he's um, uh, a little fussy. And so I think it was very easy to dismiss his argument uh, as as being you want us to go to a movie theater and, you know, uh, contract and and uh, also spread a, a an illness just, you know, to justify the cinematic experience. Um, now that there are vaccines being distributed, uh, to many people, uh, it just seems a little less kooky to go to a movie theater maybe later in the year, uh, if one were to do such a thing, but, uh, for, for the time being, it's still a little, uh, a little crazy. Uh, well, not a a little, uh, unjustified, um, shall we say. And, uh, I think that this movie had it come out a you know in january of last year or if it had come out uh january of next year i think we would have a different conversation about the film entirely uh than where it was in this weird window um where you know movie theaters were shut down uh and then now slowly they're reopening but it's still not going to be like a a normal conversation about the film as, as it is especially because uh, i know we have a, we both agree i uh, the way that somebody chooses to mix their sound stuff for the movie in terms of favoring maybe a uh theater instead of like a tv uh in, in a living room setup uh maybe maybe that's bad and maybe he can't yeah. really uh make good choices when it comes to putting something in a living room yeah i i assume he's doing that just because he mixes it for the theater doesn't care about the home but maybe uh i mean i know i saw interstellar in imax and uh it was slightly unintelligible but Mm -hmm. you know i i still understood what was going on like i feel like I need to like, well, there's a number of reasons I need to rewatch this movie. One of which is because I feel like I missed like 70% of the dialogue and I should probably just put captions on or something or just, you know, uh, read the plot summary and skip the movie or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, um, the dialogue is all very quiet and then something blows up and scares the crap out of everyone in the house. Cause it's very loud. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't anybody around in the nineties when Magnavox had that commercial where it would, uh, <laughs> Raise and lower the volume for you. Uh, no, mm. but uh, <laughs> I, I do like the way his people talk and sort of mutter at like a, a non-theater, theatery type level. Like I, I, I agree that there's some intimacy to some of those scenes, but the entire thing doesn't have to be that way, and you don't have to counterbalance that with the loudest possible explosions. Yeah, I, I think at a certain point it 
it isn't um it isn't casual in- indoors conversation that somebody would be having uh because there is also an uh an evenness um not I, I hesitate to say monotone but uh there is very little in the way of audio range in the human vocal <laughs> process in these movies. Uh, yeah. it, it's, well, it's because people aren't having actual conversations. What they're doing is they're delivering uh, expositional monologues to each other. Yeah, and there are several of those scenes where it really just starts to wear you down almost because it is so uh, vocally even and the dialogue uh, is also samey if you were to like write write it out write out what was happening in that scene on a piece of paper you'd mm. be like wow we sure used the word algorithm a lot didn't we ah we said <laughs> yeah i guess there's no guarantee times. i would have cared what the words were if i could hear them all yeah well unfortunately i i, I could just like latch on to the ones that they were <laughs> just repeating all the time uh and i i don't i don't i don't get it i don't understand uh what he's thinking like he doesn't get charged uh less <laughs> for using like the same word over and over again like there's mm. no discount if he was charged by the word he would be in in jail because uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of words um uh, the, okay so the, the the tendency here is to start nitpicking but i want to start a little bit higher level first of all uh no um <laughs> I would like to say, I, you know, I, I came in here ready to try and figure out exactly how to phrase this, and it's probably a little too close to having seen it uh, just now to have exactly the right words for it. But uh, I, I think the best way I can describe my current feelings are this movie irritated me mm. uh, a lot. Um, so there's that. Uh, I can't. I don't. I don't want to say like, ah, oh, I hated it or ah, oh, it was terrible, because like, it, you know, it's a magnificent. Uh, technical achievement for one thing i mean i i do i i do um i see the efforts required to do some of these things you know with the backwards explosions and the you know the 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 big battle there at the end with red team blue team and all that stuff like that was uh cool to look at but um boy in terms of uh coherent story and uh like we can't follow it and because we can't follow it even if we could kind of sort of try to care about these characters we can't care about the characters because like um like uh john david washington i think he's great i i've I've, i saw him in uh black Klansman, and that was great he was great there too uh i think he's a great actor and i I like watching him but uh the stuff he's saying uh makes me want to slap him in the face and it's not his fault no Uh, it's the movie's fault um it's if only the director uh was working with a better writer and only if the writer was working with a better director yeah. Um, I'm just watching it and I, 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 I see inside his brain going, I don't know what the hell I'm saying right now, but mm-hmm. I hope to God this thing cuts together. Uh, and, it, you know, in mm-hmm. a sense it does. Like maybe part of the reason that it's – and again, it's worth mentioning this movie is two and a half hours long and there is not a moment to breathe in any of this. Uh, and, and maybe he did that on purpose so he wouldn't have time to think and go like – well, that doesn't make sense. Could you explain that before you start explaining the new thing? And it's like, no, we're just going to explain the new thing now. Uh, forget about the old thing. We're, we're we're past that now. We're you know we had the car chase. Now we're on to the the the, the what is shipping containers. So don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Uh boy, it's yeah, we, um, we, we it's got these little things that spin around, and you go inside, and then you come out the other side, and and then you gotta have a, an air tank. <sighs> yeah, and it's, um, but, but we're we're just gonna accept that that happens. We're <laughs> Yeah. Not. And it, okay, so here, yeah. here's the other things. Um 
as soon as we saw, you know, blue side, red side, backward Kenneth Branagh reverse shooting his wife, spoilers, mm. uh, and then going through the 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 spinny. What's what's it called? The what's the inverter thing called? I have no idea. Uh, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> They call it a thing here. Anyway, yeah. when he goes through there, and then uh, he's moving backwards or whatever, and we see the whole mechanism, how you can, like, reverse yourself or whatever. Uh, and then I saw... Um, uh, and then they were, like, trying to devise their plan. And he's like, ah, oh, we need to get her to an inverter so she doesn't die. And he goes, they're like, where's there another inverter? And he's like, Oslo. It's like, okay. The second you said the word Oslo, now I know that you're the guy that you fought in the suit earlier. So now I just have to wait till you go all the way through and you're also the guy in the car because we just saw the car thing like mm-hmm. i know you're going to be the guy in the car thing i know you're going to be fighting yourself there i just need to wait for you to get there and then you know they get there and then l- luckily there was more stuff afterward they didn't really like pre-seed the whole end red team blue team battle at the end there which was good uh and i th- i thought the intercutting back and forth between the two teams the counting up and the counting down i thought that was pretty good but by that time the uh the skill required to put that scene together uh, was completely negated by the fact that I had no idea what the objective was. They had mm. to go get the crankshaft out of the hole in the desert and disassemble it. And, and uh, they need to go be the future ancestors that they told themselves about that went back in time to hide the things in different... Pl- like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. It's like... Uh... Anyway, you, you you go, you go. Now, I just... <laughs> temporal pincer movement. I swear to God. Uh. Say temporal pincer movement one more time. <laughs> uh, and you can only you can only use a, a cool guy catchphrase like, I'm the protagonist, one time. No, you said it no. twice, that you can't do it. You, no, can't, you, you can't say it twice. You go forwards and backwards in times. So you can say it as many times as you want to, apparently. No, uh. but then, uh, again, this whole thing with like... Mm-hmm. You can just reverse yourself, and then suddenly there's two of you. Like, there's time travel, but it's mm-hmm. not really time travel because you're 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 putting something down on the permanent record in some way. You know, it's a comment on how everything we ever do is saved forever on the internet or whatever. You 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 put that down in some sort of concrete material, whether it's digital or on a piece of paper or something. People will find that in the future. And then they will know what your plans were and they can reverse engineer them themselves back. And in the future, they've got time travel technology or something so they can send stuff back to you. Don't worry about how they do that because they're in the future and we don't have to know. So that's kind of like a workaround for time travel. Well, but we don't really care because we're in the present moving forward. But then when we discover there's a room that spins and you can just go like forwards back, forwards back, and there can be as many of you as you want. You can go backwards in time now and fight with yourself or help yourself. But then you can also just inject yourself with some things and then go forwards again. And it's like, what, what are you doing? You're establishing some rules that kind of make sense. And then you're just saying, fuck it. <sighs> I'm getting mad. I apologize. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I I'm, this movie doesn't make me mad because I sort of just expected this level of BS. But uh, to I guess it's been long enough since I've seen a Christopher Nolan movie, yeah, uh, a, a new Christopher Nolan movie that I I I didn't I didn't really come into it with any expectations. Like I know Christopher Nolan, I know his deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I I wanted to just like I I wanted it to be a movie that I like, but I think this movie just solidifies that I just don't like Christopher Nolan. Like. He he makes beautiful things that I just do not enjoy. Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to I don't, don't want to dismiss globally everything uh, about Christopher Nolan, but 
he unfortunately has a very self-satisfied uh look how smart i am thing um and, and i worry that maybe he doesn't have the right people around him to tell him no do you think this movie is smart <laughs> yeah it's it's not smart it it it, it feels like you someone wrote down something as like a first draft and they're like this is so cool and so like wild you can see how things are jumping forwards and backwards nobody's done anything like this before i'm gonna be praised people are gonna love me and then he you came don't up with so many cool like interesting interesting topics to discuss with a group of people around a campfire when you're fucking stoned out of your mind and then he 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 wrote a plot that sort of interweaves a lot of these elements but at the end of it it's like why did you do that? Why did we need that? Why did we need so many elements to tell a story about the destruction of humanity and all mankind? And basically, the, the the summation is that it's a time paradox. And if bad things happen, then like, whoopsie daisy, the universe will collapse in on itself and everyone will die. Well. Okay. There's, <laughs> there are multiple things going on. Um, mm-hmm. which is why I think it's a situation of being like a first draft where somebody's like, look at all these clever ideas. Uh, and it doesn't have someone who could edit and refine those ideas, ideas to be like, you know, these are the parts where we're going to focus. Because one thing I'm very confused about is what this movie is trying to say. It's It seems to want to pretend that it is this prestigious, uh, like, thoughtful thing worthy of acclaim and not just a silly action movie or something. It seems to have put on airs, um, not, you know, which is Christopher Nolan's thing. So it's just like, well, then what is, what is it we're trying to get at here? Like what, what is the, the emotional journey for our character? Um, because he seems to not want bad things to happen to cat who is played by Elizabeth Debicki. Um, and he, just kind of it's going along with these other things he's not clearly in a power structure with anything else necessarily but sort of with priya but there's stuff that goes back in time but maybe you know he the other person's recruited by somebody it's probably him whatever we go to the end then oh yeah i'm the protagonist all this whole time and i am actually going to go back into the past to do all this stuff um to set up these things before the movie takes place uh and it's just like okay they basically literally say like well what if we decide not to do the things that were already done he's like don't worry about it you got to do the thing it's like yeah but what if we don't it's like don't worry about it it's like but you yeah you're 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 stating the question and also ignoring it at the same time that's not because like what what is what is what is the outcome of this uh because what is the what are these mechanics in service of in terms of what is this story about without the mechanics uh right if you think about it that way so like wait a really long time till we even get to some of that stuff so basically uh what i believe kenneth branagh is whispering into his cell phone uh before um spoiler alert he gets shot uh is that why do you keep why do you keep saying that i don't know because people (laughs) um is that uh the future is mad at us because we destroyed the planet. So they're going to they're going to send eight or nine pieces of metal back in time that do something bad to us. No. Um there's is, it, is that not right? No, there's two different factions in the future. One of okay. them 
wants to destroy the everything um, with this entropy device. Mm-hmm. And the inventor of the entropy device and presumably some other people uh, realize that this is actually bad uh, and they should <laughs> have this entropy device thing. So it's broken up and distributed in the past. They don't really go over that part other than I assume they sent people from the future to the past through an inverter or whatever. And they just inverted the whole friggin' way back. Uh, or... Yeah. And see, here's how mm-hmm. clever slash not clever it is when they're like, ah, the people in the future figured out it was bad. So they split it apart and then hit it in the past. Um, that just sounds like they're telling a story that they heard about their own future selves. So yeah. it's like, it's them doing it. So they're the faction that's both, saving and also was told the story about something like for this could this could be a giant game of like future destructo telephone where nobody actually knows what's going on they just know that they have to sacrifice their lives to 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 hide the the giant futuristic crankshaft yeah well but see this is what i'm trying to get at though is putting aside these mechanics and the factions what is the movie trying to say because oh with uh humanity is worth saving or something okay because uh, <laughs> we have the nihilism of Kenneth Rena's character, uh, the this selfish nihilism, which is so extreme and ridiculous, and um, it goes beyond like James Bond villain. Uh, it, it is pretty absurd. Um, yeah, that he, he's trying he, to do like a Christoph Waltz Spectre kind of thing, but in like a I don't know, different, more European way or something. It just it it doesn't it does not add up. Uh, with the what what his real plan is for this, like he's gonna betray everybody to the people in the future that want to blow up everything because because he has pancreatic cancer and so he's going to die and if he can't have the world then nobody can and so <sighs> then then the counterpoint to that is our protagonist, uh, self-professed protagonist, uh, that. The, the world is worth saving and that you shouldn't just like kill people willy nilly. Um, and yeah. that, uh, good things but are like, going to happen. He, he's, he's kind of like, what if we changed the past kind of thing? Um, but everyone else is like, no, you can't change the past. You just got to roll with it. It doesn't, but it doesn't make any sense. If you can't change it, then the future's still doomed. So what do you, well, you can't be like, uh, I'm optimistic for humanity. They're going to turn it around or whatever. It's like, no, but the other guy's saying no. And I, and I don't trust either of you because you're on the same team with the same knowledge. Well, but see that, um, again, not to, I'll, I'll, put, I'll, I'll come back to, um, what, what this movie is about, uh, question mark. Uh, we'll, we'll dive into that specific mechanic, uh, of them repeatedly saying to the, the protagonist, our, our hero, that, uh, you can't change the past. However, this, this, whole thing they, they're changing the past because it, it's not predestined i mean they try to say they're like oh it's predestined you went into this thing and you went back and you did the thing and that's how it happened is sort of this grandfather paradox all the time um but at this at the same time if if that were the case then the world would already be destroyed because of the entropy then so don't you not fight to destroy the world because well, like he says in the beginning there he's like since we're here fighting this fight, doesn't that mean we won? And Robert Pattinson's like, oh, there's, that's an optimistic view. It's like, no, but answer the question, because I think the answer is yes. Yeah, and so, I don't know. It's just, it's so, it's so freaking 
loopy about what it's trying to do with this stuff uh where it, you know you're going to you're going to change the outcome of a thing uh by by your sheer will uh and he doesn't he necessarily pass the test because he is willing to sacrifice himself for the greater good which meant he was always willing to have always sacrificed himself for the greater good so uh he was predestined and fated and also decided at the same time also i don't care yeah i don't care I know, if you put everything if you put everything in these loops that are within loops within loops within loops because remember this is not one loop or an alternating series of loops these are nested intertwined connected things that are going forwards and backwards all at the same time oh. and, and at one point they do a backwards facing robert pattinson handoff to the previous forward facing so he's been like he's been inverted or something for like the first half of the movie and then he like high fives himself at the art gallery and he's like now you're going the other direction good luck to you and it's like but that's the other one but he has all the knowledge of the other one and he he it was as soon as he saw his buddy, he knew that it was time to trade places with his alternate or something. They'd just been like ping ponging back and forth this whole time. Mm. That's... <laughs> but you know, it, and it, I, I I don't want to make it sound like we are um, uh, people who can't tolerate uh, the sophistication that Christopher <laughs> Nolan is bringing to the time travel genre. There's one thing I know about you, Joe: it's that mm-hmm. you have no tolerance for science fiction. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I just. It, this this the reasons why everyone is doing everything in this movie are so flimsy mm. and don't really help you it doesn't help the audience stay invested in the process of what you're seeing on screen when you don't know why anything that they're doing matters uh so you're you're not even trying to like piece together the puzzle of what's happening as it were because many of these scenes they're talking about stuff that uh, is only a fraction of a thing that had something to do with the movie because they just sort of pivot to new things frequently within the film. Uh, so you'll have conversations that seemingly go nowhere and don't actually get resolved in any meaningful way. And it makes it very difficult to be attached to the process and the the journey of these characters. Because, like, Robert Pattinson's in this movie, and <laughs> he's present. Uh, he doesn't really... I don't know. There's no journey for him. He... No, because he's already done the journey, especially yeah. for the first half when he high fives and swabs positions with himself. But like, yeah, he he he's told to play it like he's constantly got a secret, like, you know, everything about him is uh, above the protagonist pay grade or whatever. So I can't tell you that right now or, you know, bad things will happen. Um, mm-hmm. At least in Inception, like there was a mission for the team to achieve something practical in the real world. And that was, you know, convincing uh, what's his name to break up the business or whatever, because that would help somebody or something somewhere. But then they kind (laughs) of like pivoted that into like a personal selfish story for Leo because of the wife and the kid and all that stuff like that. There was personal stakes kind of alongside an actual mission in this one. It's just like, will you save the world? Will you save the universe from imploding in on itself? And then also, uh, help this sad abused woman get away from her evil husband and just be able to hang out with the kid that she likes. Yeah. So selflessness. But 
why okay i mean i'm having another unpopular opinion i guess uh why why do we care about cat um played by elizabeth debucky uh because she didn't really want to be married to a horrible arms dealer person i don't know that we really got much information about the origins of their relationship, but she wants out, but she can't get out because uh, uh, he he'd he'd rather torture her uh, than let her be free and have the kid or whatever and stuff. So she's just trying to do what's right for the kid and also be there for the kid. And I guess that's something that we are supposed to admire that she's willing to sacrifice her personal happiness in order to be there for the kid but also the kid is her personal happiness but also she's being abused by the husband and isn't that a tragedy and then i guess also mr protagonist feels bad that he involved her in this plot that got her shot and or briefly almost killed and then he's like well i kind of owe you for that so maybe i'll help you get out of this whilst also saving the universe okay I was expecting maybe a more streamlined answer. Um, Their paths crossed, and she mm -hmm. has a sad story, and he's like, I can help. Yep. Uh, Yeah, and and that's why I, you know, trick question, why I don't really care about her. He's going to be a reverse bodyguard for the rest of her life because mm -hmm. um, he owes that to her because she helped him save the universe. So the least he can do is dedicate the rest of his inverted life to protecting her and the kid that he doesn't really know. And he's never going to meet again because he only meets her previously. So like they're never going to like have a conversation again, apparently. No, because in the, in the, in his future per past, I mean, they never say when he goes back into the past to do the stuff that he does, uh, in the film. So maybe he's there for, a couple weeks or something but yes there's no long-term them together thing which would be fine if <laughs> there's they an were... implied long-term him following her around to make sure she's safe yeah but so. it's it is one of those things where i hmm uh, the i i respect not ha trying to have them have a romantic relationship where he's swooping into steal her away from the bad guy as would happen in a james bond film um but at the same he time delivered her a a better existence without involving himself so to speak yeah but but at the same time she really doesn't have much to her um because she's uh, her, her screen time is mainly devoted to recalling the ways in which she has been wronged by her <laughs> cartoonishly evil husband. Uh, yeah. So it is unfortunate because that's not really the same thing as her having an interesting character. Um, and it, at a certain point it becomes this, um, uh, this, this thing where you, are you saying all of these things, these terrible things that happened to her? Are you showing these terrible things happening to her? Like, because this is going to be something she is going to be able to address in some way. And obviously she shoots her husband. Um, but it, it is not a situation where she like emotionally uh, like really changes as a character, I guess. Like she's not, she's happy in the end, but like what's, 
what's like her thing? What, what is what is going on with her? Like, uh, without in the absence of her abusive husband, like wh- who is she as a person? Um, you you can't really just show her through the lens of abuse for the entire film. Um, and and just say, ah, see, look, a character. Um, I, I just I, I I wish there was more going on there. Or or even a glimpse into the actual relationship between her and the kid, aside from like, look at me, I picked him up from school at the end of the movie. Yeah, at a certain point, um, when what was it? Uh, when we were on the boat at the end, right before she killed him, uh, and the kids coming back to the boat, being brought back to the boat. At a certain point, I was just like, so are they just never going to show the kid? Like, are they? <laughs> is is I mean. Is this, this like a 1990s sitcom where you're talking about a character who's off screen the entire time? Um, I I don't quite understand uh, that choice because, like you said, if the kid had been involved in the film, then she could we could see her relationship and her desire to be with the kid uh, rather than just every scene being with her and her abusive husband, um, and then the few scenes with her and uh uh our protagonist, uh, they are spent talking about the abusive husband. Uh, so it, it's not, it doesn't make her feel as complete um, as I think a person should be. And since I would argue that she is probably the, uh, she's, she's more important to this movie than Robert Pattinson is. I would, I would, <laughs> I would, I would rank her above him in that. Uh, but he sacrifices himself in order to, do the thing with the the thing at the end there with the lock and things. Yeah, but, um, but I'm just saying in terms of like she's she's the second most like important person narrative wise for the mm-hmm. film. Sure, and she feels so completely underdeveloped in a two and a half hour movie, uh, which is weird. I would say, I. Uh, not uncalled, uh, not uh, not unheard of or anything, because obviously people have been underdeveloping female characters since the dawn of time. Uh, but it, it's just, it's... I mean, everyone in this movie is underdeveloped because mm-hmm. all they have to fill the screen time with is just descriptions of time travel and plot mechanics about plutonium and bits and pieces and things and stuff. Like, I can't believe how many words were in this movie and none of them were really that consequential. Like, if this movie, like, just let us watch what was happening and didn't explain it to us, it, there would be no point in even watching it because there's there's nothing there to even intuit or discuss. Um, like, you couldn't get this movie without the words, but even with the words, it's not very, not very helpful. Uh, and then also there's no room for character development. Mm-hmm. How did yeah. they put so much crap into this bag... And still, we're like, wh- what? Wh- wh- why is the crap in the back? <laughs> uh, well, it, it's. I, I I I think I would rather have as frustrating as, as as it is. I'd rather have a two and a half hour movie that was this ambitious than a two and a half hour movie that was um deadly boring. Uh, as we've we've watched several of those in our lifetime. Uh, but it doesn't make it a good film just by virtue of putting in a bunch of wacky ideas. Uh, yeah. and the inability, well, you, that's, that's an interesting thing that you just said there. Ambitious. Do you think that, uh, because Christopher Nolan being a director of his caliber, 
he obviously has a lot of control over every step of the process. Do you think that there's something in here that when he finally cut it all together, he's like, ah, I kind of missed the mark here. Or do you think he looks at this and goes like, perfect. I did everything exactly the way it needs to be. And now it's up for the stupid audience to get it. I think he, I think it's the latter. I think he was very confident in what he was doing. Uh, I don't, I don't even think this is an issue. Like I was joking earlier uh, about the, the fact that he was the writer, the director, and one of the producers on this. Um, yeah. So there's, there's no one there to uh, edit this and say, Chris, do you know what you're doing? <laughs> uh, like, do you need all of this? Mm. So I think that he knew and was confident in what he, what, he was doing and i think that is unfortunate because uh he did he didn't um because the the end product (laughs) just doesn't doesn't uh live up to what i assume were his imagined goals of having um a novel time travel mechanic in a james bond spy movie uh situation um it just doesn't doesn't pan out that way uh in in the execution of this and even in the script. Um, and if it were written by someone else or directed by somebody else, you could argue, Oh, well that maybe that was an issue where the, the, the writer uh, gave the director something that he couldn't really work with or couldn't film the way that he wanted to, or maybe the uh, producer stepped in and ch- changed what they were approved of budget wise, whatever. But, but it's like, no, he very much had absolute control over this entire process. Uh, and, uh, he, he, he was hoisted by his own petard. Um, he, he traveled back in time and hoisted his petard. <laughs> he hoisted himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I feel like we've used the phrase, uh, uh, ambitious, uh, about a movie in the past here. But usually when we say, you know, this was a really ambitious film, we go, it's for a film where we're like, we see what you were doing and you were really going out on a limb. You're like, I don't know if this is going to be the thing that I, I hope it could be, but I'm going to give it a shot because it could be really cool. And uh, you take a big swing. And you're like, ooh, kind of missed there. But I don't think that's what happened here. Uh, I don't think Christopher Nolan was like, maybe this. Given his his history with, uh, you know, uh, Inception style, reality, warping, all that stuff. Like, I, th- I feel like he's got... he he has a a a principle or a tenet of Mm. his understanding and filmmaking where he goes like it's going to be this and then i'm going to build everything around it and it's going to be awesome like i don't think he's making weird movies like this with all the weird paradoxes as sort of like a that could be neat i don't know if it'll work i think he yeah like you said i think he thinks it's going to work and uh uh Maybe we just don't have access to the same uh, psychedelic drugs that he takes, but uh, I don't I, – I, I got very little joy out of this movie because I spent the whole time just wondering what the hell was happening and why. Yeah. Well, but I, I do think that still makes this ambitious. Um, sure. Because he, he, he wasn't lazily uh, writing, you know – John David Washington's character travels back in time with one loop and they do a thing and then they fix it. The and then something happens. No, he, no, he did he, the hell out of whatever yeah. he was doing. It just, it, it didn't work. Um, but 
like you said, and uh, I agree that like he, he, he definitely feels like it worked. So if you want to say that he, he didn't take enough risks, I'm not sure that that's the case. I, no. I think that this is maybe an issue where he just didn't have, he didn't have the, um, the ability to tell what was important about this story, uh, and to, uh, to edit it down to what mattered um, and to remember the characters as much as the mechanics. Uh, yeah. I don't, yeah, it's, I, I keep circling mm-hmm. around the description here because risk isn't quite the, the right word because like he did the thing he wanted to do and he did it well, but it missed the mark. I guess, well, I don't he know, didn't, like he didn't do it well because we don't, <laughs> we don't well, understand I, the movie. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think he, he made the thing he wanted or whatever, but like, well, what I would want to know is if like, could you get him off the record in a conversation to go like, yeah, it was just not that great. Like I, I had an idea and it just didn't turn out to be as good as I thought. No, no, no. I think if you were to get him off the record, uh, that he would very much say that, uh, he, uh, is proud of this film and that it's COVID, uh, that really screwed up, uh, the performance of the box office and people just don't really appreciate it when they watch it at home or on airplane seatbacks. <laughs> you think uh, that, 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 that confidence is permanent for him? Like he doesn't know how to be anything other than himself. And, uh, by virtue of that, he, he, he can't have any humility and sort of say like, you know, in retrospect, maybe I missed the mark with, with the intention that like I did the thing I was trying to do, but then, you know, with with the benefit of a little bit of hindsight, I go like, well, maybe I was, I was misguided. No, I, I mean, it, it, there's obviously a chance that anybody could change, uh, despite what this movie <laughs> is saying. I mean, um, like, uh, but part of that comes from I forget what interview I was watching, but uh, I saw somebody interviewing David Fincher, and he's like, yeah, uh, the game, we never figured out the third act, and it, it shows. And mm-hmm. he's like, uh, it's like, wow, for a director to go like, yeah, we did, we screwed up the story there, like we just didn't have an ending. Uh, that that requires, you know, <laughs> some self reflection and maybe a little bit of humility. But just trying to imagine Christopher Nolan going like, eh, maybe it was too many hats on the hats uh, for Tenet. No, uh, I I don't think he he would do that. <laughs> it's yeah, no, he's definitely not going to do that. He he um, and, and I, somehow we have inadvertently spent most of the time talking about this movie in talking about Christopher Nolan himself. Uh, <laughs> is, although, there, is there a way to talk about it in any, any other way? No, it's just what I was going to say. Is like I, I don't think there is another frame to discuss this movie in, um, because, like I said earlier, I think he's thinks he's very clever in what he was doing, uh, and I think this is mainly a showcase for himself to show off what what he thought he was doing and show off his directing and show off his his uh, his writing um, and his clever ideas. Like, so I I think. I think, unfortunately, that this has turned into this trial of just Christopher Nolan uh, in his taste <laughs> and uh, abilities and uh, opinions and ideas. Uh, and it's a little unfortunate, um, but I don't I don't see how we could discuss it in any other particularly meaningful way uh, since since the movie itself is pretty much is sort of emotionally empty. Um and uh, just just full of interlocking uh, uh, chess mechanics and turns out and twists and things um, that, you know, it just it, it doesn't have anything else to fall back on other than analyzing um, what the thought process was in making it this way. Uh, and 
like you said, when you brought up Inception, I feel also similarly that that was a much better execution of a novel idea. And I feel like, uh, despite the, the complicated nature of it, uh, that it helped, uh, it, that it actually worked because there was a sort of distinct direction to how things were going, the different realities nested, um, you know, in the, in the different dream states. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it was just sort of like layers, whereas, <laughs> layers layers like do, yeah, you can't yeah, say layers uh, without doing a Shrek. Yeah, I know, but, uh, but th this movie is not layers. This movie is, uh, the cables that you have in a box and you're not sure what they're for or where they go <laughs> or when you got them. But then you suddenly have to hook up the one DVD player that you haven't that you've had in the closet the whole time. We're like, oh, that piece that I saw in the closet that one time fits perfectly here, and now the DVD player works. Yes. But you're still going to watch Paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So, yeah, I, th I think I think that's just kind of a bummer. Uh, that it it seems to just have. You know, he, he face planted on this, uh, and with, despite the acting talent that's here, uh, you know, John David Washington, Robert Pattinson. I mean, say what you will about like, LOL, Twilight, whatever. But I, I, I think he's a fine actor, and um, mm -hmm. despite the fact they gave him nothing to do in the film, uh, he does that nothing very well. Um, and you got Elizabeth Debicki, who I don't fault for anything that she's doing per se. I fault again the writing um and you had michael kane and his weird i'm in a christopher nolan movie michael kane cameo um but despite having all of these people with all of these talents um the movie just becomes people sitting in a room talking about inverting bullets and inverting uh stuff in the inverter box to go to oslo to do invert the inverter to get the bullet in the thing but then out of the bullet and then the bullet wound will be fine, and then we're gonna go to the the Dropbox, drop, drop, dead drop for the uh, algorithm. Uh, say the algorithm, and then the algorithm is a thing, and then we talk about that in another scene where we just walk endlessly, uh, and just do a walk and talk that just goes on forever, um, but without any sort of emotional resonance with people arguing or yelling or anything. Mm. Uh, so you just you just wind up with this, unfortunately, kind of a bummer of a performance because. I mean, think Kenneth Branagh, um, another, some might say, uh, uh, high on his own supply kind of a guy. Uh, he uh, He's here acting, uh, doing an accent, which is a Kenneth Branagh thing, specialty. Uh, I assume nobody's ever hired Kenneth Branagh to be Kenneth Branagh uh, at any point, even himself. But I... Uh, he he's he's got just a, a lot that he's trying to do in this performance where he's mostly just muttering in fake Russian, uh, fake Russian accent under his breath uh, about stuff the entire time. And you don't really care about any of that. Um, so it is, a, it, again, it's just another wasted acting op opportunity. And also, let's not mainly sitting not in a room forget, trying to be threatening. There is a um, there's a mechanic, supposedly, uh, of his Fitbit. Uh, that tracks his heart rate, and if he dies, a bomb goes off. Which just we don't see, we don't explain, we just don't care about. 
Well, like it's it's important to the story. Apparently, we just have no information about it. The uh, my understanding uh, from the talk that he has with Priya uh, is that he he has the whole algorithmy thing put together so that that way they can use it, I guess, and to send the thing to the thing, like he can use that to end the world. And that's going to be hooked up to his Fitbit at some point, but only if he doesn't have the ability to go back in time and get the thing, I guess. <sighs> because it's not with him. It's at the test site. Yeah. And they're going to send it back, I guess, to him, maybe, I guess, sort of. <laughs> but don't they also say, like, uh, it probably just sends an email or something to say, then, I'm dead. And then he's got that that little metal pill that he has for some reason that he doesn't yeah. take, but he says will be the thing that does the thing. Yeah, but that's also the same pill that uh, John David Washington had at the beginning, which was uh, fake. So, yeah. Great. I don't... I, it just... Too many hats! I just, they don't care. I just don't We're, care! There's too many hats. I don't care. Uh, Christopher Nolan doesn't even like hats. Mm. Cover up his hair. <laughs> Signature hairstyle. Uh, I mean, that was one of my favorite things about uh, Tenet from before the movie came out. Uh, was again the 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 meme of uh every Christopher Nolan movie. He always makes one of the actors wears his haircut, mm-hmm. and they were comparing uh Robert Pattinson's hair in this to uh, Christopher Nolan's. Um, in addition to all the other previous uh blonde uh protagonists that they've had in his films throughout the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's always fun. I like the cinematography. I like what. Hoyt, uh, Van Hoytma is doing so. Yeah, that's, that's and something. there's some pretty interesting locations too. Like you know, if you expect like to have spy guy is gonna have to go, you know, out on his own and spend a little time at a way station waiting for people to pick him up, you don't really expect that to be like a cot in the base of an ocean wind farm where he's got to just do some pull ups until the boat comes to get him. Like that's uh weird and expensive and kind of cool but also what the fuck <laughs> i i i was so lost um when it came to them on the uh shipping boat thing or whatever it was that yellow boat uh when mm. they're hanging out by the windmill thing that was from the beginning of the movie i was just like yeah. what i know she, she said to go there but then i couldn't remember why but the point of that was so many of the things location based yeah now i'm gonna criticize the locations like the whole the, the car chase thing oh, um god I like hated the car chase they're intercutting the car chase with kenneth branagh going into the tur- turnstile that's the that's the inverter that's what it's called um he's going into the turnstile like ah let me know what's happening or whatever but the car chase ends and they drag john david washington out of the car and the turnstile thing is like right there. It's like, so because he knew the future, he knew how to like end the car chase right in front of the location where he happened to already be. Like, how does, how did it like end and start in the same place? Like, that doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. Uh, I, I hate the car chase. Um, I think that was, again, someone think they're real clever. Uh, I, I dis I despise it. Um, because the mechanic, uh, that we're supposed to be so shocked by is that an SUV is going backwards on the on the uh, 
road. Well, you, you know, like, mm-hmm. did did you pick the moment that was the the brain seed origin idea for the car chase when like the the trucks all squished the car and he's breaking in mm-hmm. and the guy on the radio is like ah radio is cut off and the other guy goes are they still moving like that was the entire idea and he's like cool i'm gonna write around that like how do you how do you keep the car moving but also cut them off and then hijack them at the same time yeah and like you said i don't understand when kenneth brenna is telling him to throw him the plutonium in the case <laughs> and he throws in the plutonium in the case and it bounces throw off him a whip yeah and it bounces off the the hood of the sob um which we suspiciously do not look at who is driving that uh and we saw it like flip back over from being destroyed but whatever he, he kind of run out gets the, the case thing or whatever um and then he leaves into his other car and uh leaves elizabeth to becky in the backwards car but it's still going backwards because it has to go backwards i guess there's no like brick on the accelerator or anything it's just doing it uh so then john david it's going the way that it already went yeah so then john david washington's uh in the car and he has to push the brakes if he just taps on it once and then the car's just just like nope i'm no longer (laughs) a moving vehicle Mm-hmm. Uh, and it happens and, to stop in the exact same place that Kenneth Branagh was also going. So, like, maybe they should have, you know, carpooled and shared gas or something. Yeah. Like, w- what was the point of trying to get the plutonium thingy if you just were going to, if you wanted to capture all of them? Um, <laughs> it's that thing where you, like, say goodbye to somebody and then you both start walking in the same direction. You're like, ah, we were all going the same direction anyway. This is awkward. Yeah. Because then you capture them. And then you split them back up to go into the base thingy, whatever, with mm-hmm. Elizabeth Debecki going in the, the blue side and he's in the red side. Um, and you pick up on the mechanic that um, Kenneth Branagh is inverted and speaking backwards. Um, and uh, he, there's a bullet in the glass, so it's going to go back into his gun at some point. Uh, and so he's threatening and stuff. And then it happens and then he gets the confession about the thing but he leaves and runs out the door and then the other him comes out of the uh, turnstile thing but then they get assaulted by the squad of people who work for Priya I guess and then they uh, have a fighting shoot him up thing and then he goes back through the inverter thing and then runs away I guess the other way how did I don't understand. Like, yeah, because in the other instances, there were two of them, but Kenneth Branagh just went in one side and out the other, and he was just re- reversed in one side and then unreversed. But there was two of him. He was just somewhere else. It doesn't matter. Yeah, um, but then the wife. They get the wife from the blue side to the red side, mm-hmm. but they don't go through the turnstile. Yeah. But how did they? How how did they do that? Did they go open another door or something well they, they went through the other door yeah on the other side okay and then how does he get from the crashed car back to the shipping container oh that just you just cut <laughs> that's how you do that but um it just really bugs me because it's like this isn't it's not clever if you're cutting around like why any of this stuff is happening yeah yeah he he's just like no no we got too much stuff to cover we just don't worry about that it's like well but if we gloss over that 
we can't take the rest of this stuff seriously. It doesn't, it's yeah, not cohesive. I'm not, I'm not asking for a scientific explanation where somebody in the movie like charts out how everything works. I don't, <laughs> I don't need that kind of level of nonsense. Uh, I just, I, I just want this photo. Sorry. I just want the, the logic of things moving through scenes to be consistent so I can understand like the, the universe being built in that way. It just doesn't doesn't seem to really work, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, so why'd you send me this photo of Christopher look, look, Nolan looking look like he's photo. choking the air? Look, look at the photo. This the John David Washington mm-hmm. is all of us. John David Washington, the look on his face is. So I'm gonna do this, but the, how does that? And Christopher Nolan's like, no, 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 just this right here. This is the thing right here. Don't worry about it. Like this is the important thing. And we're just like, okay, I'll take your your word for it, Chris. But I don't know, man. Can we talk um, about Christopher Nolan's three-piece suit um, with the vest mm-hmm. and then the blazer on top, and mm-hmm. I guess? And then he's got, is that, is that a scarf, an ascot? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He always always wears scarves. What's going on? He's just... It's his uniform. is like a Navy suit, but like a casual Navy suit and a scarf. I don't, I don't agree with this. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a good look. Um, is it me or did you also expect in this movie that the main I, Mr. Protagonist, which is a fairly pretentious thing to call him, didn't you expect him to sort of like learn the rules of the reversing stuff and then like use that to his advantage? Not just like, oh, I understand the rules. So some people are forward, some people are backward. I'm going to like, you know, we'll do what we can in this world. But like he never really like used, like took advantage of that and was like, aha, I'm going to use this to my advantage to thwart you. M- maybe that's because like, once you do that, you're 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 fighting the whole like what happened already happened, and then it's just fate. So, well, uh, you can't do that. I would say that Robert Pattinson is the one who has the opportunity to like demonstrate how all the layers of moving forwards and backwards and inverting works, mm. um, and he gets to put that uh, put on a show with that. Uh, oh, but well, that okay. So there you go. So Robert Pattinson. Mm-hmm. They do like the swap at the end there because John David Washington, he's only halfway through his story, as he says, because he's got to go all the way back in time and teach Robert Pattinson how to be the the super badass time James Bond that he ends up being at the end there to save the world. Yeah. But I agree with your criticism that we don't see John David Washington um, using time in that way. Uh, <laughs> it's just it's film. like Robert Pattinson's like ah I am I am truly the badass of this movie but I wouldn't be able to do it without you John David Washington who <laughs> has yet to do the things uh, you know in the future you you are well regarded as the, the person well in the past you, you're, you're the one we owe it all to you even though we're not going to see that part yeah I mean I understand especially in that first scene where he inverts himself and goes on a car chase that he doesn't necessarily he wouldn't necessarily naturally understand what he was doing and the mechanics of the stuff. Um, okay, okay, wait, wait. But... I figured I figured something out here. Okay, uh, remember how when we watched um, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the the whole movie was just really Tarantino going like, "Look at me, I'm old, but I'm still relevant, and I can <sighs> rewrite history so that I'm still the badass of the movie, even though I'm the old guy." You, you mm. remember that part, right? I was trying to figure out how this w- was. Christopher Nolan's uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I think it is that he is John David Washington and Robert Pattinson is the badass who's like doing all the cool stuff. But at the end, he's really like, he look, he turns to Christopher Nolan, John David Washington and go like, look, I couldn't have been this badass without you all along. And in the future, 
after you're done doing the things that you do that inspire the rest of us, we will all have realized that you were the hero all along. We owe everything to you, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> Are you done? Yeah, but uh, am I wrong? So... Do, do you think? Do you think that he he tried that here? I mean, it's no. very clear that Tarantino did that. Do you think he's he's patting himself on the back here, saying like, no? Okay. I, I, All right. I, I think he is patting himself on the back about this movie because this is in his, um, I don't know, uh, trilogy or whatever. And it's like sort of trilogy, quasi trilogy of uh, his sort of bending space and time uh, kind of stuff with uh, Inception, Interstellar, and Tenet. Um, oh, right. Interstellar. And so it feels like he's constantly trying to, to top himself. Um, in ter- not in a fun way, <laughs> uh, but like it, it just in a, like where he's, he wants to outdo the previous movie um, in a meta sense uh, of like he, he wants to have the success external to what the movie is increase every time mm. um, and that he sees this as the this was going to be the big um, finale to that that series of films uh, that, that was really going to be the, uh, the, the peak of what he, he was executing. And of the three of those movies, I think this is by far the weakest of them. Uh, so it is strange in that regard uh, that mm, it know. seems to have Interstellar is pretty stupid. I think Interstellar is very pretentious. Um, and I, was I guess it had feelings in it, so that's one yeah. thing that it had over top of this one. Yeah, like it is this movie. Like if if you if you put uh, an empty gun to my head with a reverse time <laughs> bullet on the other side and said I had to watch one of these three movies again, um, I I would probably pick Inception out of them. Um, but I don't you know i i don't like, I, like have an affinity or love for any of them i feel like they're all kind of indulgent and uh needlessly convoluted in parts um but that's that's his thing that's his shtick that's his like look at me uh so you know he's he's just gonna he's gonna be himself in all of the ways that he is and uh i think that's actually kind of unfortunate because it really undermines what could be uh what could be either good ideas filtered through someone else or um ideas that he improves upon himself uh that came from an external source that it's more uh solid and workable um i i i i just don't i don't agree with him doing everything himself so that he can like get all the pats on the back for it uh, I think that is a major flaw uh, in the auteur uh, design um, component here. Uh, and it is a criticism I also have of other auteurs like Quentin Tarantino, the aforementioned Quentin Tarantino, uh, where it's just you can get to a point where there is this narcissism of, hey, look at me. And it's not about the film anymore. And what the <laughs> it's film about him does. and feet. God, just the, when you said "Once Upon a Time in Hollywood," I almost, I almost like said it under my breath, "feet." Um, but then I was like, I don't want to just keep distracting from the point you're trying to make. But Jesus, uh, like, like that's that's exactly the thing. It's just like te- tenant, tenant is Christopher Nolan's feet. Um, like he, 
he just doesn't doesn't really <laughs> see how this is absurd. <laughs> so I, you know, that's, that's just how I think about it. Uh, uh, all right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you just reminded me of. I don't know why it reminded me of that, but um, I don't know if he was originally said it, but I think Merlin was the guy who said that most of Christopher Nolan's movies feels like trailers for the movie that you're not going to get to actually see. And mm. that's another one of the things about these movies that are just like, you know, intercutting a, a single conversation between like four different locations. Like that's that's trailer editing right there. It's just. Oh, God. It upset me. What what city were they uh, when when John David Washington is on that on that yacht with them forever and then they do a sailing thing for some dumb reason and then he saves his life and they go back to the yacht thing and then they go to the port and then he's in a city thing then now where they would later do i guess the car chase in that same city but they go on like four different like tram rides where they're talking about their secret plans and stuff yeah it's just like are you just changing the environment during this conversation because you're bored and you want to show off that you're using real locations for things. I think so. Yeah. I think he's like, I'm Christopher Nolan. I can have as many locations as I want. Cause I have money. So why, why would I stage this around uh, a set or like a coffee shop or something where we can sit still and have a real conversation when there can be momentum to it. We can be walking. Yeah. Oh, but the tram, the tram thing specifically bothered me because they were the dialogue that they have in that scene is about how there can't be any written record, there can't be any documentation, there can't be anything um, that would uh, alert the future to what they're trying to do. And they're saying this on a crowded tram full of other people who may or may not be recording things on Instagram, who has no idea, who has any idea what's going on there, is a completely unsafe environment to be doing that. So to pick that as the location for that particular scene struck me as strange, because that I'm thinking about why they're saying it on the tram. Um, they could have just been on the street still, or they could have had this conversation take place somewhere secret or private. Uh, but, but instead it becomes, Hey, look, we're in another city. We traveled internationally. Uh, and, uh, you know, kudos to you for getting on a plane, I guess, but it doesn't, it doesn't improve the scene, uh, as written, um, to just change the location while these characters are talking. Cause they're also picking up and leaving off in the same parts of the dialogue while the scene has changed radically around them, mm-hmm. uh, which I find to always be disjointing because yeah. then you're like, did they stop talking, walk <laughs> for five miles and then start talking again? Like how, how did, how did, how did they do the gap in between that and the previous thing that they were talking about? Well, at least sense. on the tram one, like you could see the tram in the background when they were walking down the street and then cut to them on the tram. Like the, the one with, uh i think it was one of the ones with priya they're just like uh talking somewhere and then they're just suddenly somewhere else and it's like what 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 where that doesn't make sense at all yeah i don't i don't i just (sighs) what a misfire and i think we've said all that we can really say about it um i mean there's a million and one things that we could get specific and nitpick but it's not it's not worth it we would be here all day we we Mm -hmm. would have to hit pause every 10 seconds watching this movie to go now that doesn't make sense explain that no and i I don't want to i don't want to spend any more time hypothesizing about time loops and paradoxes and things like that because there's there's inevitably going to be something that breaks the reality and doesn't explain oh we didn't even talk about robert pattinson's keychain on his backpack which was the giveaway all along God, and now that I've said it, we don't have to talk about it anymore. 
Okay. He has a keychain that, that that's like, yeah. oh, the guy with the keychain saved me in the opera house, and he's also the dead guy who opened the lock here, and then at the very end you see that it was Robert Pattinson all along. Mm-hmm. Mm. Twist. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch the movie again at some point. I'm sure uh, it'll probably just be on TV, and I'll be half drunk already, and be like, let's let's give this another try. But no, I, I, I want to watch it again to see with the benefit of hindsight and not trying to keep all of these threads in my brain because I don't know what's important because they treat everything like it's important. Uh, what comes across uh, on a second viewing, I don't think it's going to be much. And uh, uh, all things considered, I'm probably going to forget about this movie like tomorrow. Yeah. Um, surprising to me. Uh Jason watched the movie uh, by himself of his own volition and then <laughs> days later watched it again um, to try to make sense of it. And he said he understood a couple more things the second time he watched it. I believe that. Uh, I was like, okay. Uh, but, you know, I I didn't have any particular need or feel any desire to revisit this at this time i understand that i would probably get more out of it because i would find certain things less distracting or i would just be expecting things to unfold uh and and able to pay more attention to other things um but yeah, you'll, you'll recognize some of the setups that are payoffs later maybe next time i'll watch it either with captions or with headphones on or something i don't know i i mean i think i think you should just mix the dialogue and the music and the sound effects differently than he does. And he does it in every movie. So it's not like a mistake. I feel like it, uh, he's just obstinate about it. Yeah. Where he why, don't just, we, like, why don't we all just have theaters in our homes, Joe? Yeah. Well, I mean, I just think he thinks that it sounds grand and big to have big sound um, for the music and big sound for your sound effects. But I will give him the fact that like, um, like the music cues, when was it? Uh, when uh, Kenneth Branagh um, is in, one of the various shipping container warehouses uh, with with his wife there, and uh, she pulls the gun, and he gets all tiger threatening or whatever. Um, like there's there's some really loud, like dramatic, serious music cues, like right at the end of that scene, and they fall flat so hard uh, on a home theater system where it's just like I can I can wa- I can watch the movie as it's occurring, and I can separate the image from the sound. And I can watch the image and go like, wow, uh, this has no impact without that music. And the music doesn't have enough impact because it's not loud enough. Yeah. Well, anyway. Mm-hmm. So. On that note. Yeah. Let's, let's hit rewind. Hey, in, let's uh, go in, in editing terms. Let's push the J key on our keyboard to play backwards. Uh, well, yeah, we, we'll just go in the turnstile here. And then we'll mm-hmm. start the podcast over again, which is in reverse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You ever run around a turnstile, like at a, at a uh, like a store or something, and get all dizzy? Not dizzy, because you. I find that you can't actually push them that hard to to make them mm. go that fast. You know, sounds like you're not trying hard enough. I guess. Um, when I was a kid, I I really liked when you would go to some of the old fashioned uh, stores and hotels and stuff that had the rotating, uh, uh glass turnstile door thing mm-hmm. um that, that was that was always neat um because it was such an unusual way to uh enter and exit a building uh-huh it's fun mm-hmm. occasionally make a mistake and go like two people to one section you're like oh we don't have enough room to shuffle our feet now so this is gonna be awkward 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or they, uh, I feel like they don't do it anymore, but they used to have the automated, or not automated, but the... Uh, yeah, just automatically rotating. Yeah, and then you'd be like, okay, so I just need to like uh, keep my velocity at a certain speed so that I don't uh, go too far forward or too far back. Um, and it always, it always feel like there's a little sort of like uh, lining yourself up for that first shot of getting into it, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, you don't want to get caught in the door. No, you don't. A would probably hurt, and then B would be embarrassing that you're the guy that set up the alarm or whatever that, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, says that I'm the idiot that got stuck. <laughs> don't mind me. Just stuck in a turnstile. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, that's why you got to see yourself exit the turnstile first before you get in. That way you know you can make it. <sighs> turnstiles. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yep. All right. Well, until the next time travel paradox nonsense thing. Goodbye, Dan. Goodbye. <laughs>